And now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to Shout Out. I'm Andy Shorten. And I'm Staffy Barnett. Today on the show, coming out to stud. Uh, Hadaya will be here to tell you more. Life after breakfast. Stefan Hound speaks to the lovely former BBC radio presenter, that is Emma Britton. And Holly Oaks. My mate will be here to talk all about it. All today, right here on Shout Out. <laughs> Hello everyone Good. Hello now, do, do, do I be naughty a little on the fact that this is take two And you completely stuffed up the line the last time we did that <laughs> I thought it was take three Take three, well, whatever Yeah, take that. Well, I, I left some space for sponsorship from first bus That's all <laughs> <laughs> It's a good gag no matter how many times you use it I know right Terry, I know right Tumbleweed moments always sponsored I by first love bus it. I love it <laughs> so, uh, for, for the listeners, because of lockdown we're, um, as you as you're probably well aware we're all doing this remotely so we're, we we're pre-recording the night before um and owing to circumstances uh, that were well in our control everything went completely wrong and we've just had to start for the third time again but the first time we did it steph missed the last line of the intro and it was actually quite funny and i should it's a shame we don't like have like a, a like you know um, a, an outtake spit really isn't it so perhaps i'll shove it on the podcast or well, something there wouldn't have been much in it it'd have been dead air for about 10 <laughs> seconds in other words lots of sponsorship opportunities for first bus um, yes. I, well i think matthew hit it right it, it, it was what was it you called it something Big pause. It was a dramatic pause. Had had the listener on the edge of their chair. What was going to happen next? (laughs) Well, what's happened next is that Terry's boiler is overcooking his home, so he's taking his top off. And um, we were talking about string vests. We were, and we were talking about whether they could be reintroduced as a fashion item. If they ever were. <laughs> and whether they could be a fetish item as well. No, well, I seem Terry, to remember... You're, you could, you're in danger of starting a trend that we people listen to. Oh, string vestments, must make a note of that. I haven't come across one of those before, we'll try it on. Well, you know, Matthew, when I when I worked for a, a, a gay adult shop in Bristol, we used to sell a lot of mesh vests, and they're almost the same. I was going to say, Me- very tight mesh clubbing vests. <laughs> yeah. They were very popular in the nineties and noughties. Yes, would you wear one? Matthew? Oh yes. Even at home, on, on, on your own, would you would you secretly oh. be a string vest wearer? I don't think so. I think it. I think it would just. They look. They don't look comfortable. I'm being told. Uh, I remember my grandparents uh, talking about them, saying they were very warm. Uh, they did the job because they trapped the what? air. But I. I no, oh, what if you had them under warm. something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a like a yeah. vest. But if you just wore it on top, like Rabsy Nesbit or something like that, I, d- I can't imagine it's that warm, is it? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. my dad. My dad was always wearing them, and now I can't get rid of that image. <laughs> Thank you so much, Matthew. <laughs> and, and you don't want to sunbathe here. in one, do you? Because you look like a tea bag when you're Ooh. done. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. And I think also on take one, we also talked about hazmat gear. And I used to work, like, volunteer for THT with a, a gay guy who made fetish hazmat gear. But as Andy pointed out, it can be a fetish in its own right, even without modifications. You mean you lowered the tone yeah. in, in take one? Is that what you're saying, Terry? I always lower the tone. <laughs> I don't know who Tone is or whether he objects to being lowered, but I lower him anyway. (laughs) Maybe we should start making them ourselves and selling them for a little bit of money on the side. Loads of fishing nets available. available. Please don't you two go back to that gay starter kit. (laughs) Matthew's still recovering. Anyway, right. I'm still recovering. On on with the show. Um, Let's find out what coming out as stud means I did have to read that more than once but I read the script so um, let's catch up with the Hidayah My Five on Shoutout Dear Shoutout Radio listeners my name is Osman my pronouns are he him and I identify as a gay Muslim man I volunteer for an organisation called Hidayah our mission is to provide support for LGBTQI plus Muslims and promote social justice and education around the queer Muslim community so that we can counter discrimination, prejudice and injustice. Today's segment, we're chatting to Samaya and Aisha around their personal identities. Hi, my name is Samaya. Um, I am a queer Muslim stud. Um, I identify as her or she. And so when did you know that you were gay? Um, I've always knew I was gay. Um, let's see, maybe probably when I first started to notice genders like female or male and noticing what I was attracted to. Uh-huh. And that's why I started to notice that, okay, I'm not attracted to this gender. I'm more attracted to, to this girls. Thing. Yeah. Yep. And then also you mentioned that you're a stud. For those who don't know, can you explain like what a stud is and what it means to you? Yeah, a stud is basically um, just a female who... Um, is more masculine. Um, a lot of times, well, most times they wear um, more masculine clothing, masculine hairstyles. Um, so it's more just you're leaning towards the more masculine. And also, how long have you been out? Um, I have been out for about three years now, almost four. Um, but yeah, I've been out for almost about three years. Okay. And how did your family take that? Um, completely did not take it well at <laughs> yeah. all. At least my mom, uh, my extended family, they are perfectly fine and okay as long as I'm happy. But as for my mom, uh-huh. she did not take it well at all. Still working on it till today. My dad doesn't care at all. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, still working progress, honestly. Okay, and this is probably a loaded question. But um, how was it transitioning from being like femme to stud in the Islamic community, you know, with judgment and seeing seeing you change in front of everybody? It's a huge like appearance difference. Yeah. How was that? I mean, it's very difficult. It still is sometimes because, you know, these people, they've seen you as, you know, a hijabi or some or a person who wears a scarf and a, a person who dresses really modest. So to go from the transition of that to now wearing snapbacks and having your hair cut and mohawks and stuff like that mm-hmm. um it was very hard for me also being a, a person that wears a scarf when I was younger because um I, w- I knew how I wanted to dress and it would never be- have been okay 
Right. And anytime that I would try to wear hats and stuff, I think my mom kind of noticed that and would tell me that's too, um, that's too boyish too or too masculine. Yeah. So it was very difficult. Um, and then, you know, you have people who are like going to judge you because you're not wearing hijab, you're not wearing a scarf anymore. So they're like, you're not really a Muslim. So it's like a lot kind of dealing with that. But the transition was definitely worth it because at the end of the day, I'm able to be comfortable uh-huh. and be able to wear what I want to wear. That's good. And then just really quickly, like, what would be maybe, like, really simple advice that you would give someone who is like you, um, especially if they're younger? Like, what advice would you give them? Um, I mean, I would definitely say to be yourself. Know your situation. Um, I mean, if you're if, if it's going to cause you to be, you know, like, homeless or something, then obviously I wouldn't say just do that because I wouldn't want that to happen to anyone. But I would say just try to do what you have. There will be times where I would wear like a hat with my hijab just to try to, you know, do what I can. Mm-hmm. But eventually when you do find the courage, just be yourself and remember that you're not alone. And there's a lot of people going through the same thing as you. Mm-hmm. You never know who you might be able to impact. Cause I never would have thought that I'll be sitting here talking to anybody about my story. So just be yourself. Well, that's awesome. And um, I do want to thank you for, talking with us and Hidayah as well. You can follow Samaya at I am Samaya Alexander on YouTube and you can follow me at authentically Aisha Tisdale on YouTube. And I want to thank you guys so much for having us and we will speak with you next month. If you have a story you could tell in five minutes, get in contact. Visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Oh, bit of an old one, that one. Well, that's uh, Gloria Estefan and uh, You'll Be Mine. Judged by the people bopping along on the, on, on the cameras here. So, are you a bit of a fan there, Matthew? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, yes, I am. Yes, I, I'm, I, I, I'm out and proud. Gloria Estefan fan. Gloria yep, Estefan fan. fan. Yep, fan fan. Me too. Yeah. It's good. It's got a good beat. It's a good mix. It on. has. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we're in the middle of a storm at the moment, so I thought a bit of a summary one, and I'd shove it in. And you know, also we're 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 about to talk to Emma Britton, and you can't not be like upbeat and happy about that because yes. she's lovely. Yes, <laughs> indeed. So, so no, um, Steph, um, I won't lie, I'm really envious you got to interview Emma Britton. I love Emma Britton. She's so nice to us. And, um, and of course, she's left the BBC now, hasn't she? But, I mean, uh, before we before we go to the interview, um, I personally want to say a big thank you to you, Emma, because um, uh, the amount of support she gave us over things like broadcasting with Pride and um, all the yes. stuff that's happened. Yeah. You know, Whenever we were on her show, she always made a real big point of uh, promoting Shout Out. Um, and it was it was really really nice to hear things like that going out on the BBC um, promoting our show. So um, a huge thank you. Um, should we head over though and um, uh, let you uh, take the reins? Yeah, 
Well, it's been a long time since I've met with Emma Britton and um, her life after the breakfast show. I think, Emma, it was in the actually in the BBC canteen, wasn't it? We last met, which was some time ago now. It feels like a long time since I've met anyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Very true. Are you, are you um, a little bit sad moving on from the breakfast show? Not sad. It was a decision that I had made quite a long time ago. If I'm really honest, I started 2020 with a plan to leave the BBC during the year. And it was something I'd been thinking about for quite some time. And I'd set a plan and I was excited in January. And I was going to go part time in April. And then I was going to see how that went and then hand my notice in. And then the pandemic came along and all the plans got thrown out of the window because the BBC changed the schedule and the breakfast show went from two and a half hours to four hours every day. So it made it quite difficult to go part time. Mm -hmm. And also, we just didn't know what was happening in the world. So I just took some time to review what I was going to do. So I've ended up doing what I planned but just it took a little bit longer and I left the BBC in December 2020. So ironically, Emma, you went from doing two and a half hours um, looking at at leaving and then doing four. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, I listened to your goodbye and it was it was very emotional. And um, I really admired you for, for being so honest, speaking to the listeners who really have enjoyed your show. How long did you do radio for? So I've been at Radio Bristol for five years. Uh, Prior to that, I was at BBC Somerset Mm. for I first went on air in 2009 so I've been presenting for just over 10 years and I started at the BBC in 2007 so 13 years service Mm. but I was a guest for four years before that you know I was a, a guest a contributor a casual broadcast assistant so I've been involved in the BBC since 2003 so to walk away from it mm. was huge yeah. and was very emotional but I wanted people to know that it was my decision to go mm. for a variety of reasons And that I had really enjoyed what I'd done, but I felt it was time for me to move on. I have a bit of a a mantra, which is just because you're good at something doesn't mean it's good for you. And being on the radio had got to the point where it wasn't good for me anymore. I wasn't enjoying it as much as I used to. And what was it you then decided to do? Yeah, so I spent the last couple of years thinking about what my alternative career might be. And I've had sort of like three distinct sections to my working life. When I left school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I spent 10 years working in various office jobs. Uh, Then I spent nearly 10 years working as a plus size fitness instructor, teaching physical activity to people who wouldn't normally consider Mm. doing physical activity. That's how I ended up on the radio because they interviewed me and that became a a sort of contributor slot. And then I ended up getting a job. So I've done just over 10 years in radio. So I've probably got 20 years of my working life yet. I'm in my mid to late 40s. And I thought about going for various jobs in PR and media. And I knew deep down, happy. Mm. So I looked at the elements of my radio presenter job that I really loved. And I love meeting people, uh, listening to their story, interviewing them, 
uh, writing their story, maybe in the form of a cue or, you, you know, editing their audio and then delivering. Mm. And I realised that all of those aspects are what a celebrant does. And I'd experienced a couple of celebrant-led ceremonies, a wedding and a few funerals. So I started to look into the world of celebrancy and thought, well, I'll do the training and see how I get on. So I did the training in 2019, uh, finished it early 2020 and absolutely loved it. Celebrants are ceremony creators. We write ceremonies for people and that might be someone's funeral, it might be someone's wedding, might be a naming ceremony because somebody wants an alternative to a christening. It could be a renewal of vows. It could be a blended family that want to have some kind of ceremony to show that they've come together. It could be somebody that wants to change their identity and wants to recognize that in a ceremony. It's absolutely fascinating. Emma, am I right in saying that a celebrant does everything that the religious community does, but it's non-religious? Is that is that correct? It's an interesting description because a lot of people assume that if you want non-religious, you go humanist. Now, I'm not a humanist. Humanists, my understanding, are have a, a set of beliefs themselves in that they're very science-based, they don't believe in any kind of other being, angels, God, hymns, prayers, faith. They, they have a very separate set of, of the way they conduct their lives, and that's absolutely fine. Um, so you have humanists, and then you have vicars and ministers and faith leaders. Civil celebrants, which is what I am, can write a ceremony that includes anything, as long as it's not illegal. <laughs> so I'm, I'm writing funerals at the moment and the person who's died wasn't particularly religious, but they would go at Christmas and for weddings. So their family have said, can we have the Lord's Prayer? I said, well, yes, you can. So I can include anything that anyone wants in a ceremony. Um, very broad. I had a lady who came from a Buddhist background and they didn't want a Buddhist ceremony, but we included Buddhist quotes in her ceremony so that it was a nod to her faith background. So we are very, very flexible in our ceremonies. It sounds very person-centred. And go back to what you were talking about earlier, um, it sounds like every job you've ever had is about connecting with people and that that's kind of been at the centre of what you've been quite passionate about. And you know what? I think you've hit the nail on the head there with regards to why I I wasn't happy in radio because although radio is totally and utterly about making a connection with people and it's very intimate, you know, you're in someone's ears. Um, for many people, every day of their life, if they're a regular listener. But the way the world has changed in recent years, I feel we've become very divisive. Um, there's a lot of negativity yeah. and that connection as a radio presenter with a listener, not all your listeners are positive, kind, friendly, upbeat people. And more and more and more, I was subjected to the opinions of people who 
just made me feel so sad about human beings. So as a celebrant, even though I'm working in the funeral industry with people who have experienced dreadful loss, sometimes tragic, Mm. sometimes unexpected, sometimes, sometimes because someone's been poorly, you are making a difference. You are giving them kindness, support, you are helping them. And you really do get a sense that you have done something for someone else. Yeah, which which also, um, I guess the word in itself, celebrant, is is to celebrate in in any which way. So whether that's to celebrate a life of someone who's passed um, through in a way in which is very much about them and their life or whether it's about um, somebody who um, now identifies with a new name or um, the birth of a child. Um, or the bringing together of a family. Um, it's, it sounds all about celebration and positivity. It, it totally is. I recently hosted a BBC Sounds podcast called The Happiness Half Hour. And it was based on the Science of Happiness course at Bristol Uni run by Professor Bruce Hood. So it was all about the scientific studies about what does or doesn't make you happy. And I had a massive light bulb moment. One of the episodes was about your signature strengths. So these are your character strengths that if you play to them, you will feel happier. And that applies to your general life, your friends, your family and your work. And you could complete a survey. I think there were over 90 questions in this scientific survey and they gave you a list of your character strengths. And so I did the survey and uh, my character strength was kindness. (laughs) Oh, how lovely. And it really, it was like a jigsaw piece going into place. And I thought that makes so much sense. Why I get so much love and joy from being a celebrant and why I wasn't getting that love and joy from being a radio presenter. People think being a radio presenter is very glamorous. It's not. (laughs) On a daily basis, you are um, handling people's emotions good and bad but you're also dealing with people's opinions good bad and indifferent some ill-informed some informed and it wasn't enough kindness for me (laughs) so since i've been working as a celebrant and i started taking funeral ceremonies last march alongside working as a radio presenter so i started to get a taste of celebrant life and that time that you are taking a ceremony or even writing the ceremony you're lost in the world of another person and your main mission is to do them proud and make sure that the ceremony you're writing for them whether they're with us or not is the very best it can be i you sound so passionate about it emma and and i just think you know that's just so wonderful that you've got to a point in your life where you're so excited and passionate about bringing joy um to other people and and again connecting with other people and um we are coming to the end of the interview it's it's gone so quickly and it's (laughs) it's just been so lovely to hear you know where you've come from and where you're at and where you're going really and and thank you for sharing that with us um would you be able to give us some contact details if people um wanted you to um to be a part of their um, ceremony or part yeah, of their service. Absolutely. And just to say, it's not that I'll never pop up on a radio ever again. <laughs> Good. I mean, in fact, I love you guys. You know that. So I'm really chuffed to be interviewed by you. And I totally rate everything you do at Shout Out. So, Wonderful. Um, Thank you, Emma. I 
I may pop up freelancing. I may try and do some more podcasting, but celebrancy will be my main thing. So my website is emmathecelebrant.co.uk and you can find me on Facebook at emmathecelebrantuk and on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is celebrant underscore Emma. What an easy to remember website name. That's absolutely fantastic. Emma the Celebrant, love it. Did that come to you in a dream, Emma? <laughs> I'm nervous. I've walked away from a career in the BBC. Of course, but but we we, we believe in you and we know that oh. you're going to bring a lot of joy to a lot of people. So I really hope 2021 is a good year for you, Emma. And we're going to hold you to um, your, your shout out uh, promise there. We're going to bring Always. you on again later in the year. Oh, I would love to. I, I, I do love radio. It just wasn't for me going yeah. forward full time. Thank you so much, Emma, for joining us. Thank you for your Thank time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Uh, Jim Wigmore and uh, Written in the Water. Oh, that was a lovely interview, that one. I, I love it. Well, you know we got a hold of to that. She's going to have to come on Shout Out at some point. So I, I still remember when she came and um, uh, presented at the uh, Shout Out Listeners Awards that time. Uh, absolutely brilliant. So, yes, really nice lady. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that, Steph. That was, that was a really good interview, that one. And Hans yeah, as well, I, I should say. Absolutely. So are, are Very you there, interesting what, Steph? Some- Yes, I've, oh, I've, I've been it. talking for <laughs> yes. I thought the listeners have heard enough of me. <laughs> Never get enough of you, stuff. Well, oh, I did. I did. did, did, thank I, you, did I, um, um, Emma's analogy of um, always being in your ears. I'm like, oh, I don't know how much I could cope with more than an hour of stuff in my ears each week. Oh, <laughs> well, that's one of the taglines I use on H and H on a Monday morning. Direct to your ears. Well, ours is out of the closet and into your ears, isn't it? So exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, let's find out what's going on on in the world uh, with the lovely Matthew and Terry uh, here is your latest LGBT news headlines this is shout out news on Thursday the 21st of January In the last 24 hours, there has been what the Guardians called a proper transfer of power as the United States democracy triumphed over the attempt to intimidate the Senate two weeks ago. The 46th president of the United States, Mr Joe Biden, and his vice president, Kamala Harris, the most senior black woman in the US administration, have been sworn in. We monitored coverage on many outlets, including ABC America, the BBC, Sky News and Al Jazeera, and all reported that the much-feared assault on democracy by outgoing President Trump supporters did not materialise. The Newswire LGBTQ Nation suggests that if some of Mr Trump's less favourable policies towards the gay and trans community will be swiftly reversed by President Biden... Meanwhile, left-wing Newswire Alternate reports with some satisfaction that supporters of far-right conspiracy theories such as Canon, who believe that Trump would rise to triumph against some kind of international paedophile and satanic plot, are now facing the truth that they believed a pack of lies. One former Canon supporter told journalists that he was now the laughingstock, whilst another posted online what surely must be an understatement of the year. None of it came true, she said. 
I feel just a little silly. Top LGBTQ newswire Pink News is amongst those tonight reporting that the National Health Service's Tavistock and Portman Trust, which operates the Gender Identity Clinic for Younger Trans People, has been granted leave to appeal December's High Court ruling, which found that trans teens would need court permission to seek access to puberty blocker medication. As many gay and trans newswires reported at that time, the case against Tavistock and Portman Trust was brought by a small group of women who have links to strongly anti-gay and anti-transgender activist cells. The Abortion Rights Network, formerly called the National Abortion Campaign, even noted that their activities could undermine other aspects of young people's rights, including that of young women to abortion care, as the ruling of the High Court in December went against what is known as the legal precedent of Gillick competency. Pink News reporters observed, the High Court's verdict in December sent shockwaves through the LGBT plus community as it meant young trans people's access to healthcare in England and Wales was further restricted. Trans youth support network Mermaids reported further that the appeal case will be heard by the Court of Appeal by the 22nd of March. The organisation also notes that claims, often by anti-trans activists, that puberty blockers are now outlawed are incorrect. They say the High Court stayed its decision pending appeal. This means that nothing needs to be done immediately to implement the decision and the stay continues until the appeal decision is handed down. They say, we are seeing firsthand the anxiety and upset the High Court's December decision has caused. We are here to answer your questions as far as we can and be a voice for trans, non-binary and gender diverse young people and their families. Remember, you are valid and we will not stop speaking up for you going forward. For further information on the work of Mermaids, visit their website at mermaidsuk.org.uk. In entertainment news, the heavy metal radio and magazine network Kerrang! reports that Sylvain Sylvain, the rhythm guitarist with the seminal and outrageous band New York Dolls, has passed away from cancer at the age of 69. The Dolls were undoubtedly queer in many senses of the term. Although the sexualities of the participants of this group of rock and roll radicals were mixed, here was a group of young men, all of them good-looking, who wore cheap and charity shop drag, taking the early early 70s glam rock androgyny and blowing it into something much more confrontational like the manic street preachers some decades later they used they they used makeup and feminine clothing to subvert and shock even in the radicalism of the late 60s and early 70s musically they developed an aggressive sound that effectively became the blueprint for punk with the dolls making punk records long before the movement took hold in the uk Punk in itself reinvigorated the underground culturally and led to a network of fanzines, small record labels and distribution arrangements, which would profoundly affect music in the 80s and 90s. Sylvain was born into a Jewish family in Egypt, but his father, also a dissident for his day, had to flee the regime of Abdel Nasser, who was pursuing authoritarian socialism in the mid-60s. The family settled in New York, where Sylvain embraced the counterculture of political radicalism musical experimentation and personal development. He co-founded The Dolls with his friend Billy Mercia, who sadly died of a drug overdose in 1972, a casualty of the less pleasant side of the music scene in this period. The Dolls imploded in 1976, the year that punk broke through into public consciousness in Britain. The band did reform in 2004 and released three albums. 
That's Sylvain Sylvain, guitarist and musician and co-founder of the New York Dolls, who's passed on at the age of 69. And finally, we turn to sports. Martin Booth in the independent newspaper B247 reveals that the outstanding women of the female Bristol Bears rugby team are telling male misogynist trolls just where to get off. Martin met with Eleanor Snowsill, who also plays for the Wales women's team. Eleanor is also an ambassador, incidentally, for LGBTQ people in sport. Apparently, misogynists and homophobes hiding behind Twitter or parlour accounts have been abusing women in the team. Eleanor responds, Do those men trolling articles about women's rugby genuinely think we are going to believe them when they say they don't care about us? The simple act of commenting to declare the statement proves the opposite to be true. I care about my sport and so do millions of others. Well said, Eleanor, and we look forward to seeing the Women's Bears team back in action in 2021. For these news stories and more, check out our website at shoutoutradio.lgbt. For Shoutout News, this has been Terry Starr and Matthew Tosh. Shoutout News, national and international LGBT news for you. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Uh, Sandy Powell and uh, I'm Trouble. I like that one. It's just the <laughs> So now, am I correct? Is this our first from Mermaids coming up here? Mermaids organisation, um, they're going to be joining us each month for the Mermaids Moment. Oh, I like the name. Oh, That's I like quite a cool that. name, isn't it? Bit of alliteration there. <laughs> mm. Oh, cool. Well, let's have a listen. Welcome to Mermaid's Moment. Every month we get to ask and hopefully answer a question around gender. Mermaids is a UK-wide charity working to support thousands of transgender, non-binary and gender-variant children, young people and their families. All right, let's go for it. Okay, and welcome to this month's Mermaids Moment. Today we have the honour and privilege of spending a little bit of time with Kai Griffin, DJ and actor, pronouns they, them. Hi Kai. Hey. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It is so nice to be here. Do you want to give a little bit of a background about you, Kai? Go, go, go. So my name's Kai Griffin. I'm a DJ and actor. I play Ripley Lennox on Hollyoaks at the moment. Uh, you can find me on all social media platforms at Kaisies, spelled K-I-S-C-E-S. And I'm Louie, uh, pronouns they, them. I work at Mermaids. Today we are asking the question, what's the difference between trans and non-binary? Okay, Kai, I'm going to put you on the spot. What, what's the initial answer that comes to your mind when we ask that question? I think that as a non-binary person, my perspective on it is the fact that non-binary sits in a space that's in between on the spectrum. I think also trans can be inclusive of that, but I think that 
more often than not, trans usually sits at another at the two other ends of the masculine and feminine spectrum. Do you think that people can be trans and non-binary, or do you think they're always separate? I think people can be trans and non-binary. I think it's so much up to how you personally identify. For instance, I've got a lot of friends who identify as, as trans, mask, trans mask, but also non-binary. I think that, hey, whatever makes you feel comfortable, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think... I mean, I have to say, I've got I've gone on a quite a, a strange, not strange, but uh, meandering kind of relationship with what labels I want to use um, in, re- in relation to my gender identity. I, I use, um, I, I identify as non-binary. People have os- often asked me, do I identify as trans as well? And I think, well, I mean, trans to me is essentially somebody that uh, has a gender identity that's different to the, the gender they were assigned. So if we're going to talk like from a technical definition front i am somebody that uh, has a gender identity that is different to the one i was assigned so yeah technically i'm trans but how do you define trans what do you see trans as and do you see it's different to transgender i mean i think trans for me does sit in a nice umbrella term i personally use trans and transgender definitely as separate descriptors for people I think also for me, I'm a non-binary person, but I'm also intersex. So for me, I consider myself non-binary because pretty much my whole body is non-binary anyway. So I don't really consider myself trans. Whereas if you do have um, a gender identity that doesn't fit your assigned assigned gender at birth, I completely understand why you would use trans or transgender as descriptors for yourself. And again, I think it does come down to a lot of what you feel comfortable with as a person and what you feel comfortable with label-wise. Because some people just don't even want to use a label. And I'm like, fit great, that's fine. You do you. When we say trans, it, it spreads across the wonderful diversity that exists within gender. So we, we do not have the time to work through uh, the, <laughs> the vast array of gender identities that, that exist out there. When we're talking about about trans and what it means to someone I think you're absolutely right it's about it's so personal and individual Mm. and you know me and you sitting here um we'll have our own experience have have our own kind of history with the with the term itself we're obviously in a moment right now that that the term is being used um with well in wider society in some instances um the power is being taken away from us with what it means and i think we're in a we're in a moment right now um it's for everybody to realize that it's not for anyone to say what it means to anybody no not at all it's Mm. so it is so very it is so very individual and it is i think you have to give people the freedom to use words in terms of what they mean to them especially when it comes to identity it's so important that you're able to use terms that feel comfortable for you and you're able to assign your own meaning to those words do you think the language is going to keep evolving do you think non-binary as a word is going to keep existing what do you reckon hmm i think that as i think that as a term non-binary has to exist because if we think of the world in binaries and due to basically Western society, we have a world that is split into binaries, then we have to have the term non-binary. But I do think that people will continue to be creative and continue to come up with their own terms to identify themselves. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think it's amazing that people like the term like agender, um, the term like uh, demi-boy, demi-girl, 
these things are as equally as important and may sit within the non-binary spectrum, but it's so important to have those terms as add-ons for people's comfort more than anything. Yeah, and I think you've really touched on something there that I want to expand on, this idea, of course, that non-binary in itself is also an umbrella Mm. term and the experiences that non-binary might mean to somebody is so expansive. Like me to Kai right now, I don't know what Kai's experience it is of being non-binary and, and it, if it's safe and appropriate and asking that question is just so interesting. And I think part of progressing the dismantling of this gender structure is yes. about he- hearing hearing these stories, hearing these narratives and making sure that we're not just assuming that every, everybody's experience is the same. And that's something to, to invite and welcome. 100%. It is so important to realise that no two trans experiences are going to be the same. No two non-binary people's experience is going to be the same. No two, even once you get to the more... Um, the more explicit descriptive terms, like no two Demi boys experiences are going to be the same because no individual, no two individuals experiences are ever going to be exactly the same. So once we kind of boil down to the fact that people are individuals and have different experiences, we kind of get to the point where we realize that, oh, these are literally just words we use to describe something. And those experiences weigh out the descriptive terms completely yeah yeah i mean experience transcends vocabulary but then vocabulary Mm. is all we have and i think this is kind of like this circular pattern isn't it and Mm. and i think you know language is so important and we need to take ownership of the language that defines us and i think that's that's why we need people just simply to to listen yeah 100 percent. yeah it's just just sit down and listen to people's experiences because a word is a word but an experience can tell you so much more Love that. Okay, let's talk about a little bit about your work. Because yeah, sure. obviously, Hollyoak, so you're taking your experience onto the set. How does that how does that feel? Talk to us about that. Um, I think it's a really well, for one, I never thought it would happen. <laughs> um, so that's a whole thing in itself. I never what, what do you thought, mean by that? I think I never thought that especially in especially in the world of soap, it's so mainstream media. I never thought that a show would be like hey we really want to have this representation of this person who is intersex who has these traits about them and it makes up part of who they are and I think what's wonderful about me playing Ripley is that we've got a real put together character who people haven't seen much of yet but as people see more of are a whole well-rounded person I am so grateful to be able to be part of that oh it's amazing I mean I'm of the firm belief that the people we should be lobbying are the producers of soaps. I mean, they are literally the the bread and butter of what wider society is seeing. Having you on there, Kai, representing non-binary people, the non-binary community is just so relieving and refreshing. And I can't wait to see what Ripley is going to do next. If you or someone you know needs support with gender, you can call us on 0808. 801 0400 or you can visit our website at mermaidsuk.org.uk you can also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter happy listening
more information about Shoutout Radio, visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shoutout. LGBT Radio for you. The Shoutout Podcast. Devil don't go around me, my home. Oh, I love that one. That's uh, Ella King and uh, Where the Devil Don't Go. We all kind of like stomp yourself along that one. <laughs> uh, brilliant, um, brilliant uh, piece from the Mermaids, uh, the Mermaids moment, yeah. I should say there. Um, that was really yeah, cool. Very well put together. Mm. Yeah. 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 And more to come once a month here on Showtime. Still look forward mm. to that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, anyway, uh, do we like this track? Do you like this one? I do love yes. this one. Yeah. I do. It's, very it's foot really nice. Yeah, yeah very uh, foot tappy. Yeah, it's unusual, isn't it, for a shout out to go country? I would say that was country. Yeah, it's kind very of like distinctive, country. very distinctive voice. Mm. Yeah, very distinctive. It's quite funny because uh, quite a few of them we play tonight sound quite similar. Like Ellie, uh, Ella mm, King sounds yeah. quite like Gin Wigmore that we played yeah, earlier, yeah. who did um, uh, Written in the Water. But it, they are actually different people, so. Mm. Bit, Did you choose a... them on purpose? Did you actually spend a lot of time over choosing the tracks, Mr. Shelton? I always do. Always. Care and attention. Of course you do. Every, yes. Everything we do, you know. <laughs> got, got to have Care it. attention you know. to detail. Always, always thinking, how can I impress Steph? <laughs> <laughs> oh, too late. Raise on debt. Oh, dear. So... Anyway, not long, not long, Matthew. We've got like a minute left. You can take that string vest off and we'll be done, you know. Cool. <laughs> I, I really am trying to start a movement here. I, th- I, think, I think there's something in it. A, a new marketing strategy. Um, and we can a raise a few pennies. breasts. Breasts? A tosh. <laughs> <laughs> what, a Freudian, what a Freudian slip that was. Oh dear. Where's your mind, Mr. Shilton? It's because I was looking at you wearing one. I'm so sorry. Do you know who invented fishnet stockings? So historians say. Somebody no. gay? Commentary. This it, was, it was Ramesses the Great, actually, in ancient Egypt. Apparently, he was on a boat with some of his harem of uh, wives and. Uh, one of them her clothes came off so he said don't worry I'll wrap you in some fishnets because they were fishing you see oh. so allegedly it was Ramesses. I don't know if I believe that if I'm honest that's what, that, that's what, that's what I've heard from historians anyway I but thought it was the guy that invented nylon it could well have been but mm. it's nice to, nice that people in ancient Egypt were doing something similar <laughs> I prefer your story Terry <laughs> uh, anyway that's it for another week do stay with us throughout lockdown we promise that we will keep shows coming as best we can uh, throughout the next few weeks as always if you want to check us out get involved or just grab another podcast it's all online at shoutoutradio.lgbt uh, next week the show must go on uh, from myself Steph from Matthew and from Terry say bye bye everyone bye bye everyone woo Shout out. LGBT radio for you.